The following program is sponsored by Marty McClendon and West Coast Windows. Only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. So who the hell am I, who the hell am I to expect a savior? Oh, if I only talk to God when I need a favor. Well, good morning all across the ACN network. Yes, this is Marty McClendon, and this is In My Opinion. I'm playing around with some new software for the show, a new recording um, podcast thingy, and I'm also got a brand new intro song. I don't know, we'll see how long I keep it, but this is, that was Jelly Roll. He's one, one of the, the emerging country artists, but the song is called I Need a Favor. I just, I bring that up because I just love the lyrics of that because it talks about he only uh, asks God when he uh, prays to God when he needs a favor. He only prays when he doesn't have a prayer. I think all too often us as believers, us as Christians, we'll do that. We get busy in life and then we do everything in our own power before turning to God and say, oh, I've done everything else, but now it's all in God's hands. Well, no, no, we should be going to God at first in all things. He's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful. All uh, and he cares about every little thing. So this song reminds me that it connects with me. Um, but all too often, I'm trying to do way too many things my way and in my own strength. And I know that in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, do not rely on your own understanding, right? To trust in the Lord. Um, anyway, so as we always do, we always start off the show with a the word of the week out of God's word, out of the Bible. This week, the word comes from the book of Titus. Okay, yeah, I know. It's one of those lesser-known prophets, if you, sell, if you will, in, in the Old Testament. Titus chapter 3 in the Amplified Version. We're going to do verses 4, 5, 6, and 7, just because it's so doggone good. Yeah, my voice is a little bit off this morning, but hey, I hope you uh, endure with me. But when the goodness and kindness of God, our Savior and His love for mankind, appeared in human form, as the man, Jesus Christ, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we have done, but because of his own compassion and mercy by the cleansing of the new birth, spiritual transformation, regeneration, and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we would be justified made free of the guilt of sin by his compassionate and undeserved grace, and that we would be acknowledged as acceptable to him, this is God, and made heirs of eternal life, actually experiencing it according to our hope, his guarantee. That's just a lot there. Anyway, check us out, Titus, uh, the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 7. It basically is saying that well, once we've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, God sent Jesus to die on the cross, paid for our sins. Nothing we've done to earn it, uh, nothing we can do to deserve it. Um, it's by his mercy and his grace only. Um, and then it's like this renewing of our mind, this uh, regeneration of, of receiving the Holy Spirit and becoming uh, born again. This whole thing justifies us, and we are accepted in, um, into this eternal life, this guarantee that he's made for us uh, in right standing with God the Father. I just, it's just, 
you could preach for a month on this one, these four verses in the book of Titus. So I'm glad this was the word, word of the week. Hope you enjoy it. Um, go get, dive into it. Get deep into this and just ask the Lord to show you what this means for you. Um, but I think for me, all too often, like I said, I start off the show with a song that we only talk to God when we need a favor. We only pray when we don't have a prayer. That's the lyrics to it. And the idea here, and sometimes that can be judgmental. It can be, uh, feel like condemnation. Like, oh, I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. None of that gets me to heaven. None of that justifies me to God. It was God's work, Jesus' work on the cross, that God sent his only begotten son, that is the work that was done on my behalf. Now, we can participate in that by the renewing of our mind, by staying in, in the word, by praying. Those are all things that we can do in response to the love uh, of God to us. Uh, and we shouldn't get all bogged down the wood of legalism and, and this and that. I'm just saying. Um, so it's a reminder to me as well that this is a gift that we are grateful for to have no idea or understand why, in, in a sense, and why would he love someone like me, right? Why would he love someone like you? Because he created you. He created you for a purpose, a purpose to do great things. Uh, he's laid up good works for you from the foundations of time. That whole thing is mind-boggling to me. The fact that, the fact that God knew you, knew me, because he created us, but he knew us before uh, time existed, before the foundations of the world. Basically, as he created the world, he had you and me in mind. That right there is, um, ooh, it makes you go, wow, think about this. And then we existed, and he knew us, knew us before we were even born on this earth. So when he knit us in, in our mother's womb, when, he, um, when we cry out to him as a child, as a young adult, as an old person, as, a, as someone who's um, near their end, if you will, um, he's known every hair on our head. He's known every moment. He knows how much time we have. We know what measure of faith he's, he's given to us. Uh, he knows what we're intended to do. I just, uh, right there, um, should give you comfort. The fact that Almighty God uh, not only knows you, has known you forever, uh, even before you have a memory of being in existence, uh, is carefully cared for you, has a plan for you, has good works for stored up for you, but ultimately made a way to restore you and me to relationship and right standing with God uh, out of uh, where we could not in no way possible have earned it, worked towards it, uh, or deserved it, and yet we're given it. So that's just, uh, you know, um, not going to get too preachy today on the show, but it's just, I'm kind of blown away. Um, but I do like the song because it reminds us just a reminder um, that all too often that we put the first things last and last things first oftentimes. I made a post uh, this week on uh, Facebook. I was thinking about this whole idea of falling back. Because we're now, you know, uh, most of the nation, uh, unless you're in Arizona, uh, move the clock dial. So that it, it's, it stems from back during the agricultural days where they needed more daylight for working in the farm and so forth. So they started just daylight savings time, which is many states right now, by the way, are going and doing away with it, passing laws and legislation to say, we're not doing this no more because it doesn't work for our modern day. Um, but the idea of, of shifting time. So it was seven in the morning. Now it's six in the morning, you know, and supposedly giving us more time. There's not more time. 
They're just playing with the uh, concept or the measuring of time, if you will. There's still the same number of hours in a day. There's still the same number of days in a, in a month, in a year, and so forth. And there's still a certain number of days that we've been all been given, each individually. So it's all, all of this stuff is, I love time stuff. I love time discussion. Um, but ultimately, God's outside of time. He sees the beginning to the end. The idea he had knew us from the beginning, and he knows us at the end, that he's all seeing. But so that when you start thinking about that, that time doesn't affect that. I mean, it says that a day is like a thousand years. That's a, that gives us a perspective that it's different for God. But God, there wasn't a beginning to God and an end to God. God's always been there. So that therefore, uh, this time is something that's measured in this experience, this human experience that we're having from the, uh, the, the Garden of Eden through uh, Revelations into a thousand-year reign. That's all time for, but it's like a season, if you will, of God's plan. Uh, and an eternity is what we can expect with him. Um, and that right there, I don't, think we, I don't think we truly have a concept of what that's like. But uh, the Post was talking about this concept of time and talents. Since the, the Word of God says none of us know how many days or how, many, how much time we have on this earth. It says that, we're, that our time here is, is but a vapor. Whether that be 120 years, 50 years, 10 years, 5 years, whatever it may be. We've all been given a measure of time. We've all been given a measure of faith. We've all been given um, certain talents and opportunities and, uh, as part of God's plan. And there's a lot of things that we can do with what we've been given. Uh, there's, there's some great stories about people that are having great, great, great success uh, starting off with very, very little through work, through open doors, through opportunity, through work ethic. And we've got many stories where people were given everything and did nothing with it and wasted their life. So that's what I'm really talking about here. We're talking about, you know, first of all, this, this abstract thing of time, like falling back and springing forward and that kind of stuff, but actually thinking biblically, right? The story of the, the parable of the servants. Remember, the, in the, the Bible, uh, the, the master comes, gives one servant 10 talents, and whatever, which version you're reading. And that servant gets busy, gets busy while the master is away and doubles it to 20 talents. And then the uh, second servant was given five talents, a measure of time and, and talents and money or whatever. And they went out and invested it and doubled it to 10 talents. And of course, we all know the third servant was given one talent less than the other two. You can see in this modern day how if you were like, you saw your fellow servants getting more than you, you know, how the, the sort of cultural sort of response would be like, well, that's not fair, right? Well, it's the, that's not covered. I'm, I'm colorizing, if you will, um, scripture. But so the third servant buries the one talent, does nothing with it, doesn't invest it with nothing. The master returns sees that the first uh, uh, servant doubled his um, 10 to 20. And he says, well done, yeah, good and faithful servant here. I'll give you um, uh, more, right? The cities to, to rule over and so forth. And then the second servant uh, had five and he doubled it to 10. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, basically, and gives him cities to rule over. Basically, more grace, more responsibility, more talents. It's beyond it, but it was more, right? Um, and then the one that buried it, uh, he was scolded and says, look, you lazy, you know, person, you were given this measure of what uh, you were basically this chose to give you, and you buried it, not even giving me interest. 
So they took what was given to the one and give it to the guy that, that had 10 and doubled it and then gave them even more. So this idea that, okay, whatever we're given, whatever time we're given on this earth, whatever talents we're given, whatever position we're in, whatever opportunities we're open to, it's what are we going to do with? Are we going to be good and faithful servants with what God has given us? And so in, in the concept of time, uh, I was really kind of, it, it's, we know um, from our personal perspective, and I'm sure you can all experience this as well. When you get up early, you work out, you take care of the things that are important, you prepare for emergencies, you put savings away, you do, you're diligent with your time and your money and your resources and your talents. You tend to have more opportunities. You tend to have more time. And I've found that if I actually am diligent with my time, that I actually prepare early, that I actually follow through and do the most important things first, my time seems to increase. I have more time for the enjoyment of life, for the downtime, for the things I want to do. It's when I um, do those other things, the, the, the personal gratification, the watching the TV, the um, being lazy stuff first, I have no time for the things that are actually important or I'm scrambling to, it's like this reactionary thing. And so I want to encourage everybody too, that this, this, this story, this, this example that, that Jesus gives about the master and servants about um, being diligent with applies to time as well. I understand time is we're in the season of time right now between um, God's creation and God's restoration of his people to him and, and judgment and then uh, eternal life with Jesus and with Almighty God, uh, we're in that uh, as we're watching Israel under attack from nations around it. Uh, we're in this, what we feel like is the end times. We've, you know, and so many things that point that direction. We have to be aware that we are in this time for a purpose, like Esther was. We're in a time such as this for a purpose. We've been gifted uh, this time for a reason, and you got to ask God, what is that reason for me? What am I supposed to be doing right now? Where am I supposed to be investing my time and my talent and my treasure right now? Because those are your time, talent, treasure. These are gifts from Almighty God. And if you've, as your servant, I want to be good and faithful, and I want to hear those words, and I want to be given more because of it, right? So it's, it's in this life and the next life, as we're talking about here. So I, I'm really encouraging myself, and I'm encouraging all of you um, to take a moment this weekend and to say, all right, I have, I, I'm X number of years. We don't know how many more years I have. We, uh, not to be morbid, but I want to be effective. I want to be, have I been effective? First of all, what the years I already had, that's just a reflection. Don't spend too much time there. The time is, is God is God of now, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and, tomorrow, and forever, but he's the God of the present, right? He's, he's here with us today. So, Lord, what should I be doing with my time, my talent, my treasures today to fulfill the good works you set up aside for me to do, um, to be faithful with, to be trusted with more uh, cities, responsibilities, talents, or whatever, that you, that you would hear those words. And it's not a, not a way to earn God's favor. It's not a way to earn God's um, forgiveness. This is, uh, this is all about being responsible and stewarding the gift of grace, the gift of time, the gift of family, the gift of all these things um, for a purpose. Because these are tools. These are investments. And so as the, the stewards 
in the story, in the parable, um, they said, all right, fine, you give me this. I'm going to go out and get to work and multiply this. So if there's something that God's put in you that needs to be multiplied, I'm doing the same thing. I'm asking the same questions because I've gone through the political realm, the I'm in the business realm and the, and the, the pulpit and so many things. So what is God going to use all of that in like Romans 8.28 that he uses all things to work together for our good for those that are called according to his purpose and love God, right? I, I messed that scripture up, but I got all the words in, in there, probably in the wrong order, but the, the Romans 8.28 basically he's God's being a promise, right? Through the book of Romans, um, through his author, Paul, um, that he's going to take all of our mess and our good stuff and, and work it out all for our good. Now, that said, in the midst of this, how can we be productive? How can we be faithful in what he's given us? And um, there's all way too many things where I know that I haven't, but it's not about being like, oh, Lord, I failed. Yeah, okay, we'll get it back up again. Um, that's where the forgiveness and grace and mercy comes in. Um, so I encourage you all, it's not about a performance thing. It's about, okay, what am I supposed to do? And then test this. And because I know in my own life, when I'm prepared for an emergency, the emergency typically doesn't come, whether it be finances, whether it be time, whether it be in work. And when it does, I'm prepared. So it's, it, I'm uh, on top of things. When I get up early, work out, when I spend time with God, when I spend time with my family, when I um, set aside the important things in life first, Everything else, my work schedule, the crises that I typically deal with on a daily basis aren't as big a deal, and somehow they handle themselves in many cases. And when I don't, let's say, okay, I won't do that, I'll sleep in a little bit longer, or I'll deal with work stuff first, the things that aren't as a priority, oftentimes my time is gone. I have no time to spend time with my kids or spend time with my wife or spend time with God in, in scripture or Bible or whatever. So I want to encourage you all um, that, you know, as we are on this weekend, uh, just after the week of daylight savings time and falling back, to be thinking about um, the gifts that God's given you. The secondary thing here, which is, you know, is about that as well, is I want to give a big shout out and thank you, a heartfelt thank you to everybody listening and anybody related to those that are listening as well that have served in our military, our armed forces, at any capacity that you've served this nation uh, to defending not only this nation, uh, our ideals and the people here, our rights, our liberties, um, the way of life, if you will. If you've served at all or anybody you know in your family has served, thank you. Um, because that is about stewardship as well. You are stewarding a gift. And so, I'm People join for many, many different reasons. Some of them for education, some for the GI Bill, and whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is that if you served, thank you. From me and my family, God bless you. Happy Veterans Day weekend. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your family's sacrifice for serving. Whether you were local, you were abroad, you were uh, downrange in military, in combat, I thank you all. If you were washing dishes uh, on a base really, really far away from any kind of combat, thank you for serving. Um, this is a Veterans Day weekend, and Veterans Day is about those that have served. Memorial Day, if those don't, don't know, are those that gave the ultimate sacrifice during service. And um, obviously, Armed Forces Day is for those that are actively serving now. So this is about a weekend to celebrate all those that have 
invested their time, invested basically willing to give their ultimate sacrifice to defend this nation and the the biblical principles this nation is founded upon, whether you're a Christian or not, this nation stands for so many things based on biblical values that our our rights are endowed, are given to us, are endowed uh, to us by our creator, not by given by government, but given to us by and created by Almighty God. So, and that right there stems to our democracy, not our republic, if you will, uh, democratic republic. Uh, it, it extends to our, our First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, Tenth Amendment rights, all these different rights that allows us to have free speech, freedom um, of, to practice any religion, if you will, um, the freedom to redress of, uh, grievances, uh, freedom from illegal search and seizure, all of these things are inherent in who we are as human beings. And that was benefit. And this is some of the things that our people that have served are defending and expanding, if you will, defending elder people's rights around the world to enjoy the same freedoms or freedoms similar to freedoms to elect their own representatives. Um, these are values. Uh, this this why so many people come here. There's opportunity here where we're not locked into a caste system. We are the great melting pot, and yes, there's been much attempt to undermine and to divide us uh, along just about any way they could divide us. But we know, as the Bible says, that a nation or country or what or whatever it divided amongst itself will fall. That's what they're trying to do. We cannot let that. So maybe part of our time is to invest in uniting each other, finding common purposes like our veterans. They may come from all walks of life, but when they're serving this nation, they're serving the ideals of this nation. They're protecting the people of this nation. And of course, that's how important it is that we all live in a place where we we can actually be safe, that we can actually express our values and share them um, without the, the threat of tyranny or and so forth. And of course, we are in a battle. That's why I often talk about politics from a Christian perspective. It all it all matters. And that's why I've also encouraged Christians to get involved. And I know politics is an ugly word. I get it. And there's a joke about politics is that poly is many and takes are blood-sucking organisms. So that's what politics are. And it can be really, really dirty. But why is it dirty? And, and I will say this, much of this lies at the feet of the church. When the church for many years it says, don't get involved in that, we're not a part of the world, we're in the world, but not of the world, so therefore we shouldn't get engaged in the world. Such a false thing. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news. Jesus said, engage um, prostitutes, he engaged uh, uh, tax collectors, he engaged whatever. He didn't change who he was to be with them, but he engaged them where they were. We're called to do the same thing. We're supposed to be salt and light. The command for us is to occupy until we return. It says to go into all the world. This, this is all the world means every sphere, business sphere, entertainment sphere, healthcare sphere, civic government. And then we have multiple, multiple, multiple examples all throughout the Old and New Testament where God used people in authority in civic government to express his will, to have his way done. Whether it be Daniel uh, being the right-hand man in the in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom or King Darius's kingdom, whether it be Joseph that was raised to the right-hand man of Pharaoh to save the nation of Israel, or whether it was Esther being the queen 
um, that saved the nation of Israel again. Whether it was, you know, on and on and on and on. Even even Abraham was seen as, as in some ways, um, a royalty. But the, the King David was actually the king, right? Uh, and in the line of Jesus, right? Jesus was in the line of King David. These are all things that were civic government. And why is that? Because civic government can choose to follow, align itself with the will of God, or to go against. And all the wickedness all throughout Scripture where man turned away, it was through government putting up other idols, rejecting the, the teachings of God, and they got in trouble. When, when the civic government aligned with God's values, then there was a blessing upon the nation of Israel. The same thing with America. Um, with our founding forefathers, um, most of them were Christians. Some of them were deists. Some of them were um, not Christians, but they believed in the divine power. That there was no way this nation came to being unless for divine guidance. And so they would pray. They would stop saying, why are we bickering? Let's stop and pray because we know we didn't get here without God. So let's rely on God in the formation of this constitution. So the founding principles, even the first 11 of the first 13 colonies required a Christian to be, uh, you have to be a Christian, and people have the, to know you're a Christian, not just say you're a Christian, but you have to model the behavior of a Christian to be elected to office, to represent, because you had to have that Christian worldview of good character in, in a position of authority like that to serve and to represent. So the, the foundation is very, very strong here. So the, the civic government um, passes laws that can be a burden or a blessing, right? When, the, when you elect a representative, they're supposed to represent not only the interests of the people, but understand their, their duty and their, um, that they're, they're humble. They're, they're a Christ-like character, if you will. They're not Christian. Not, they don't have to be Christian, but they have to follow this idea that they're um, submitted to uh, having a moral compass at the very, very minimum. So all of this, um, when the civic government from old days to current days, think about now with the inflation and the spending, think about the open borders, think about the decisions when it comes to a nation at war, think about all these things where and they put regulations and burdens and, and costs upon citizens where we can't afford to live, that is a burden. The Bible is very, very clear. It says, when the righteous reign, the people rejoice. Okay, the meaning when the laws are light, and the burdens are light, when the people that are right with God are in authority, they don't put burdens on the people. They uh, lighten the load on people. Now, it says that same verse says, when the wicked, those that aren't right with God, those that are anti, are in authority, the people groan. People are groaning now because the wicked are in authority. And the reason the wicked are in authority is because the church, those that are righteous, those that are right standing with God, has abdicated the role, the place of government because it's dirty. And so I'm going to encourage you all, and once again, you've heard me say this before, but this is why I'm so passionate about this. This is my calling to encourage others to engage. It was, it's only dirty because we've allowed it to get dirty. We have to take back this mountain, this area of influence in the political mountain, the civic mountain, so it won't be so dirty, so that we will expect people of good moral character to serve and to be humble and to uh, look out for the best interests of the people uh, as they're submitted to God first. 
right? This, we won't have 10,000 new laws. We will have the 10 commandments that says, hey, okay, we just follow these for now, you know, uh, have no other God before you, right? And, and so on and so on. So do not steal. These things that we can teach our children again. We have a generation now um, that we need to reach with the love of God, but we have, we have the opportunity to, to put things into place with new elected representatives, with an engaged church, um, with a, the light of God and salt of God uh, in the conversation to affect the next generation so that they know the truth, that they know the biblical principles, so that they the burdens on them are lightened um, because the people that are in authority are submitted to an all-powerful God, and they have a moral compass that's been written upon their heart, is what God says. So anyway, and that's a and that, seeing that transition, it kind of flowed that way to what we naturally talk about on this show. Um, and so right now, we happy Veterans Day to all our veterans. Uh, thank you for your service. Thank you, your families who have supported veterans, whether you're a parent, a child, a, a, a spouse. Thank you. Uh, and of course, time management. So as we end the program today, I just want to thank you all for tuning in. You can listen to past broadcasts if you want to on your smart speaker, uh, any of your podcasting sites. You can go to iTunes or iHeartRadio or Anchor where I post them. Um, you can uh, find me at uh, MorningShowMarty at gmail.com or on Facebook. And I appreciate you. I pray for you and I pray for this nation. I pray for that God's specific calling upon your life is fulfilled. All right, take care. God bless and have a great weekend. Only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I 